0: everyone and welcome to another episode of the Essays & Espresso podcast. I am your host Daniel and with me as always is my stalwart co-hosts Boken. How are you? Hello, wonderful and fine. And Acer, how are you?
1: I'm good. Did you know Boken Jima stands for Adventure Island?
2: Haven't I already told you that?
1: You just did
2: before I feel recording. You do know that's an old game, right? That's an no. old game series. Oh. Where you yeah, play end, yes. play a caveman who is rocking a skateboard and he's killing dinosaurs.
1: Yeah, I was gonna uh, I was gonna call massive. you a, I was gonna call you a weep, but that's actually super cool.
0: <laughs> but it's
2: also a weep game. And the reason I I have this name is because I used to. I, I feel like I already told you this. I used to have like a, a Game Boy uh, collection with one hundred fifty games. And one of them was Adventure Island, but the title on the screen wasn't Japanese, so it said Bokunjima. And me, as a dumb six-year-old, thought that was the most hilarious thing ever.
0: Uh,
2: And that's why I kept that uh, name. That's
0: where it comes from. Okay, I've never heard this, so interesting.
1: What's our our subject today? What's our topic, Daniel?
0: Okay, today we're going to be discussing... You
1: so-called host...
0: I was going to get to it, but then you guys went on this tangent. Give me give me some credit here, okay? Uh, what makes a good slash bad flawed character? So we're going to dive into that later on. But first, we need to talk about what we've been up to recently. So uh, apparently you two saw Avengers Endgame and you want to talk about that. Uh, I haven't. I don't really care about all this cape nonsense I really just I'm gonna tap out so you two enjoy your little Avengers talk I feel like
2: you're putting down our topics here and I do not appreciate it
0: I I'm not putting down anything I am just expressing my extreme apathy
1: you know Boken this would never happen if I were hosting this episode
0: I'm sure it would. I, I can't help it if I don't care.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, Avengers Endgame, Bogan, what did you think? Did it. Can we just. It,
2: just for a second, let's say this is going to be a spoiler heavy episode for all of our topics, including Avengers. Yes. Yeah.
1: But also, this is coming out, I imagine, like a month from now. So yes. Everyone and also, is...
2: timestamps in the description and all that, so whatever.
1: Yes. When we're recording this, Avengers Endgame has not become the highest-grossing movie of all time, but it's tracking to be, and I hope it is, because Avatar is a fucking shit movie. Quickly, guys, what's the main character's name in Avatar?
2: I've never seen it. John Doe.
1: Nobody knows. This movie left no cultural imprint. It's the biggest movie of all time. Get it out of here.
0: I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's an awful movie. It's just aggressively mediocre.
1: James Cameron needs to t- t- take his submarine and make another Terminator movie. He's good with that.
2: I, know, just, I don't do know if I trust him. Didn't he do in Genesis? Was no, he involved in no, Genesis?
1: No, 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 no. He was
2: involved Wasn't he with, in the advertisement no, of yet, that movie.
1: Yes, he was involved in the marketing, but he that's it. <laughs> They, they, ju- they just wanted him to be in the marketing. They probably just gave him, like, here's a million dollars. Say that it's good. And he was like, well, the rights are going to refer to me again next year, so I don't give a shit. Sure, it's fine. Whatever. And Avengers, then he was like,
2: oh, you, you look at the screen, and you see things you remember.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I was watching it, and
2: I saw things, and they were things that I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> that Perfect description. Anyway, Avengers, what did you think?
1: I thought it was good, but I also thought a lot of it was kind of crap.
2: Okay, such as?
1: Mm-mm-mm. I don't know. No, uh, I really liked all of the Captain America stuff. Captain America is my man. He's been my favorite of these MCU heroes ever since his first movie came out. Oh my god, but Iron Man is so charismatic. True. But I still like Captain America more. Uh, I kind of thank you for
2: taking over my part of the discussion as well.
1: Yeah, that's no. Yeah, this is your topic. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I um. What did I dislike? I guess I just disliked that. I feel like uh, this part of the MCU is over, and now we're left with a lot of characters I don't really care about. Like uh Iron Man's gone and Captain America is gone until they, you know, make him young again if they decide to do that. And it's like, oh, the new Captain America. It's it's the Falcon or maybe it's going to be Bucky." And you're like, "Well, those two guys are very uncharismatic, so I don't care about that."
2: Dude, do the Falcon is the most nothing character I've ever seen. Yeah. I do not know what he has, what he has ever done. I don't I don't know when he entered the MCU. I, I, I do the, the Star Wars test with me and describe the Falcon without mentioning what he looks like or what his power is.
1: See, that's, the, that's kind of annoying because Anthony Mackie, I feel like, is wrong for that character. Because the Falcon in the comics, I really like him. And he he is...
2: Can kept, you read I, comics, you fucking nerd.
1: What? What is this? Yeah, no, uh, he's been Captain America... I think he. I think he's currently Captain America in the comics. And he. I think he's been Captain America for like two or three years. And there's been a lot of good stuff with him as Captain America. But we had... Uh, I think it was Ed Brubaker who did like a 10-year run of Bucky being Captain America, which was much better. And I would have much preferred if Bucky became Captain America so that we could see some of those stories. But I imagine they're just gonna bring Chris Evans back out like five years from now to reprise the role
2: that would be very sad
1: yep but I'd be I'm just super
2: saying you're creatively bankrupt
1: <laughs> I'm super interested in all the space stuff except for maybe like Captain Marvel but that's just because I didn't really like her movie I imagine that they can do better things with her Apparently, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to introduce Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> do, you know, do you know who that is?
2: No, I've never read a comic book in my life.
1: Okay, imagine Thor. Okay, like you have Chris Hemsworth. He's like in his weird ass Guardian uniform. But sure. now imagine that he has the face of an alien horse. Hmm. That's Beta Ray Bill.
2: But is he also royalty of no. some planet?
1: No, he's a guardian of like the last su- ra- the last survivors of a specific race. I recall, and he's super weird. And okay. he was able—he was able to lift Mjolnir. See, I'm gonna send you a p- 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 picture of this guy. Yeah, Did and I hope I, I don't
2: I, want to get into too granular of a discussion, but there were a lot of parts of the movie I didn't necessarily understand because a lot of it was references to things that I have no clue of. And then when Captain America lifts Mjolnir, I had no idea why or what that meant. Oh. Except be- okay, he's chosen now or something.
1: That's because only those who are worthy can lift the hammer.
2: Yeah I know, but then why is Captain America worthy and not anyone else?
1: Because he's the best guy. That's beta ray Bill.
2: That's. Is there no, better explanation for that? No,
1: because he's just a good guy. I don't know what you mean.
2: Iron Man is good too. No. A lot of the Avengers are good. No. Yeah. Not good enough. Yeah. No, but th- why?
1: It's because he's a good guy. Mm. Like he is. He's kind of. He's like ethically wise, and he's, like respectful.
2: He's pure. He's,
0: like, he's yes. the goodest of boys.
1: He, yes. He's very good. It's also yeah. like, have you, seen, have you seen Robert Downey Jr.'s arms? That man is not lifting a hammer.
2: <laughs> I thought the actual weight of the hammer is insignificant.
1: <laughs> it is. It's
2: all but, metaphorical, man.
1: But I really like that because they broke the hammer in Thor Ragnarok and it was like, oh, so we're not going to see... Because it was in the comic run where Captain America fought Thanos. I recall he lifted the hammer and beat him up. And I was like, oh, we're not going to see that. But then we saw it and it was awesome.
2: You know what was fucked up? When they start traveling back. Dude, I hate that we, that we don't give our first our big impressions first. But I, there are so many moments in that fucking movie where Thor goes back in time. And, you know, has that whole scene with his mother. Yes. And then he, he takes the hammer, the Mjolnir of that time and takes it back into the future with him. Mm-hmm. So what about the thaw of that actual time? Is he just gonna wake up and not have a han- hammer anymore?
1: No, uh, look, there are time paradoxes in the movie, but with all of that stuff, the uh, the idea at the end is that Captain America returns the hammer and all the stones back to the proper place just seconds after they were taken. They so never that-
2: said he would take the hammer? No, he they said he'd he take the stones.
1: Yeah, but he he was holding the hammer when he travelled back in time at the end. So really? as, Yeah, so assumably he returned it. That being oh, said, okay. there there are still issues with like, oh, so Captain America just went back in time and lived out his life
2: in the past? Yeah, that makes no sense because when they go back in time they actually enter another timeline. Yeah. But for some reason this time he entered his own time.
1: But yeah, then I was super disappointed with that stuff because I thought the way they resolved the time travel with you take the stones and then you return them exactly where you took them and at the moment you took them, I thought that was a really interesting way to sort of solve the time paradoxes. Because like, oh yeah, we just return them and then time moves on, it's natural, but then you're just gonna do the... Captain America living in the... Pa- you're just gonna do these paradoxes anyway? Like what, yeah. Lo- Loki's gonna take the Tesseract and disappear at the end of Avengers? Like that that's a massive... like what? So he's not captured and Thor 2 doesn't happen?
2: Yeah, that's another timeline, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Not our problem. Hashtag no. not our problem.
1: Yes. I really like that we got madman Thanos in this one.
2: Nah. Yeah. I see my my thing with the movie is I liked it. I think it did what it set out to do. But in my heart of hearts, um that first half was by far my favorite part.
1: Oh, I I def- I totally agree with you. And We're- then
2: when they started going back in into the past to fix everything and then it went full fan service. No, we're gonna redo what happened. Everything is gonna be fine. It just dipped for me in interest mm-hmm. because I wish that the the concept of them living out the fact that fifty percent of all human of all life in the galaxy is gone, and them being depressed and dour and trying to deal with it was so entertaining to me. Yeah, and that's I really- a good movie for the end of this whole series. But that is the movie I want to see.
1: I hope they do. They're doing a what if series on Disney Plus, where it's like, what if uh, what if Haley Actwell's character, uh, Pecky, had been Captain America instead of Steve Rogers? And what if what if this would have happened instead? I I would really like to see a, what if they didn't time travel? Right. What if they just had to live out their lives in this miserable dimension? Because then yeah. we could then we could theoretically go into like Marvel Zombies or something like that. But uh I really liked it at the beginning and I was like, "Oh, when they Thanos just they just kill him in the first 15 minutes, just <laughs> yeah. just lop his old y head off." That was super cool. I thought they were going to chop off Thor's arm. I thought they had been setting that up. Because in the comics he has the destroyer arm. And he, he chopped off Thanos' Infinity Gauntlet Arm in the beginning, and I thought, oh, because now Thanos and Thor at the end, they're fighting, and he's gonna chop off Thor's arm. But that didn't happen. Do you know what I'm not looking forward to? I'm not looking forward to all those fat Thor cosplays. Just a bunch of sweaty, fat guys like, oh, I'm, I'm doing a Thor cosplay.
2: <laughs> no, I can be Thor. <laughs> like,
1: look, you could have been Thor, you could have gone to the gym, and you could have Taking care of your disgusting body. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: fat phobic fuck. <laughs> Everyone you, can, aim, can, can cosplay everything. Yes. Don't be a bigot. I also but didn't, also, fuck I, fat people.
1: Well, well, I also didn't like the. Uh, there was a little scene at the end where it was like all the women of the Marvel Universe and they were like, ooh, we're standing together. And it was like, oh, really? Like, ah, it's gonna. It's sort
2: of on the nose. It was like, kind of on the nose, here, yeah, but uh, I, whatever. I, it's, it's a dumb schlocky action scene at the end. Yeah, it's but like It's like people entering through portals and looking cool. I, I like I, that.
1: I appreciate that it was like, oh, look at how many, like, female women in representation and all that we've done over the years. Like, look at yeah. how, how much we've done. But it also felt like, ah, this, this is a movie for children. I forgot, like, when that scene came out.
2: Why for children?
1: That was just like, because grown people don't need like, no grown woman is watching that and being like, yes, that's like I, for little, that's for girls.
2: I think I disagree and I think uh, market data and popularity disagrees with you as well.
1: I would say no grown woman who's mature is watching that then.
2: But also whatever, then little children watch it and go, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm female not, i
2: I'm, I'm
1: not, I'm not. Look, I am not one of those like that no bullshit guy on YouTube or one of those guys who's who's angry about women in my Cape Kinos. I, I'm really happy that they're doing a lot of weirder stuff with this. It was um,
2: incredibly on the nose, but as a movie that celebrates the past 11 years or whatever it was, um, I am totally fine with them actually having a shot of every female important character that they created and them just being as yeah. bad the, as the boys.
0: Yeah,
1: you know what? When you put it that way, I, I actually kind of agree with you. I do think it was a bit on the nose, but yeah, I totally think that I think that if I watch it again, I'd be a lot less apathetic to it. A lot more apathetic to it, I should say.
2: You know what's also? Are you, you, know are what's you guys also? done?
0: No. <laughs> what are you? We're
2: just getting started. Oh, God. No, whatever. I, the, uh, the discussion has been very unfocused, but.
1: I, I, I'm really excited for the future of Marvel because they have access to Doctor Doom again. My God, I hope they do him well. He's basically Iron Man, but he is a lot, he's like the better Iron Man. He's smarter, he's stronger, he's got better technology, and he can also do magic. But he's like, he's, and he's also more egotistical. I'm, ugh, I really want to see them do Doctor Doom right.
2: Well. Fifth time is a charm. <laughs> yes. Uh. But yeah, whatever. These movies aren't going anywhere. Spider Man is coming out in a few months. Yes. Which I'm looking forward to because Spider Man Home- Homecoming was good. That was a good and one. And whatever.
1: I hope they call Guardians of the Galaxy three as Guardians of the Galaxy. And I hope it's like they they keep the Thor Guardians team up going.
2: I do too. Uh Thor's chemistry with uh, Starkiller is insanely good. Yes. There's a I, uh, lot of the the Marvel movies have gotten really funny to a point where I can just simply appreciate that it's genuinely good comedy writing.
1: They were always funny, but they dipped after they dipped after a while and then they kind of came back.
2: Uh, maybe.
1: Because like I Iron haven't Man seen m-
2: the early movies in a while.
1: Iron Man 1, that was a funny movie, but then yeah. like then like the Hulk that came out and then like Thor and Captain America and they were they weren't exactly... they weren't like unfunny but they weren't funny movies.
2: But they weren't like quality jokes like no sir this is this is America's ass.
1: Yeah, (laughs) That's a line I
2: genuinely loved it.
1: (laughs) Those movies are really preoccupied with uh, with the male form.
2: Well they're all fucking bodybuilders.
1: Yeah, but and I talk think...
2: About, talk about unrealistic uh, body stereotypes.
1: But you know what, That's I think that's healthy. I think it's healthier for people to look to like, Oh my god, look at Captain America flexing his biceps while he's pulling that helicopter. Like that is just a <laughs> glamour <laughs> shot made to celebrate the male form. But it was so good. And then Thor is like keeping the, what is it, the uh, forge open by just flexing, doing mm. the double arm flex, it was really good
2: remember that scene in fast and the furious 7 where the rock like dwayne the rock johnson gets his arm uh, broken and then he has, has a an arm cask and at the end of the movie he goes no the movie needs me now and then he flexes it
1: as a, he flexes it off i haven't seen that movie is it really <laughs> it's
2: fantastic it's a shit movie but whatever
1: Ah, uh, that's but uh. Uh, yeah What more do we say about Avengers? I'm really excited. I I hope they get... um, I hope they don't just double down on James Gunn's vision of the cosmic universe. Not because his vision is bad, but because I think that they need somebody else to really bring to life the sort of Jack Kirby weirdness.
2: I don't know who Jack Kirby is.
1: He's the guy who... He's the guy who created all of these characters, basically. Hmm. Like, Captain America, uh, Iron Man, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, all... Like, Doctor... No, he didn't do Doctor Strange. That was Ditko. The Hulk. All of these characters. The Avengers. All of it. It was all created by Jack Kirby. Uh, That's not to say Stan Lee was, like... People think he was, like, just hawking... All the credit, but uh, Jack Kirby Jack Kirby's role in creating all these characters has been severely underplayed over the years. But uh, I think we should move on, unless you have something more to say.
0: No, you're not. No. So, I saw the first episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Five D's. Yeah. Was it everything you hoped for? Everything and more. <laughs> now I saw it dubbed. Much to Mm -hmm. uh, Acer's chagrin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, whoo! The dub was bad! (laughs) It was so bad! Like, so, okay, so, here's... Oh, my God, I don't even know where to begin. So, why are they on motorcycles?
1: You would understand that if you would have watched the goddamn sub... Are you sure about that? Yes. <laughs> okay, so let let's go over I think we can I think a good way to frame this conversation is you ask me questions you have of the dub and I'll explain to you why it's better in the sub. Do you want to do that?
2: Okay. How about you just give the answers to the questions of why are things happening? Yes.
0: Okay,
1: but then I need to explain it in the context of the sub because the dub doesn't have answers for anything.
0: Okay, so I don't know if this was a weird piece of dialogue that, or or what, but like they said that it was against the law for that sector to have a decks of cards. Yes. Like, is is that true in the sub?
1: It is, but it's also fleshed. What? Well, wait, wait. It's also fleshed out a lot more. So basically. The idea in this universe is that the dual runner, which are the motorcycles, they're sort of symbolic of freedom because these people, they've been subjugated and the only way you get out of this sort of squalor is if you get one of those motorcycles and you're able to excel at this. It doesn't make any sense, but like in the... (laughs) But But it doesn't make sense in the literal sense of why don't they just use guns and rebel? But it makes sense in the... Okay, they've just established this, and we're just going with it. That's just the conceit of this universe. And the idea is that, since that is the embodiment of freedom, the way you subjugate these people is by taking away their cards, taking away their ability to move, and all that stuff. And that sort of police subjugation, you don't see that in the dub. There's a lot more of
0: it in the sub. Okay, so, like... I In the original show... Uh, It it seemed like, you know, the card game was just like this cool card game that people liked. But, ooh, I guess there was some, like, magical shit attached to it. And it was was, like, fine, okay, whatever. But, like, in this show, the literal society that they live in is catered around the fucking card game, which is so bizarre and weird. Isn't that standard Oh? Yeah, well, look, no, the- in the ori- no, no, in the original Yu-Gi-Oh, it was just a popular card game. It was like society wasn't like all like catered around the card game. It was just this cool card game that kids liked and you know, there happened to be some magical bullshit that was attached to it. In this show, society is literally built around the fucking card game, which blows my mind. Like, that does just why? Uh,
1: so this is me, sort of as a Yu-Gi-Oh lore master of the Yu-Gi-Oh lore master of the podcast. I what suppose. a
2: sad, sad title. Can <laughs> I just
1: <say>? Well, <laughs> look, in the original series, I-, I disagree that society wasn't catered around the card game. Okay, well But it was not it was not I, it was not this extensive, I'll grant you that. The I haven't
0: I, seen it in like fifteen years, so like I just remembered it being like yeah, it was like a super popular card game on the level of like Pokemon was in the West, but I, I don't remember it being like anything more than that. But it, whatever, it's been a while.
1: Yeah, like we can move away from that stuff. The the idea behind society running around the card game is that The magical properties of the monsters that are being reawakened with the duels, they still exist. And when you're dueling, you create energy and the city harnesses that energy to keep itself functioning. What the
2: fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That's so dumb.
1: Yeah, it is dumb. But you know what? People they just sh-
2: go for one day, oh, I don't feel like playing the card game today. <laughs> and everything <laughs> breaks
0: apart. <laughs> it's like, no, I got to play the card game. I got to keep the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: wow.
1: Yeah, but look, <laughs> look, guys, it's stupid. I know that. But they also like it doesn't need to be smart. It just needs to be consistent. You just need to throw out the rules and speak consistent about it.
2: That's actually one thing I, I keep wanting to bring this up during one of the podcasts. There's a a thing that Alfred Hitchcock said in an interview where I don't know if you guys, if you guys know this. It's kind of uh, uh, pop, uh, not popular, but well known that he says that in, in a piece of fiction or in a story, There can be one element that isn't explained, and that is totally fine. And you can go with that. And the rest of the story has to make sense. Do you guys know that? Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that quote. That is kind of what Yu-Gi-Oh does, right? Like just let's imagine the society is built around the card game and let's take it from there.
1: Yeah. Let's no, let's say that conflict is expressed through the card game and all that stuff. And then yeah, the show sort of logically works from there. Until the further seasons of Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds where it sort of went down the crap. What did you think about Greg Abbey's performance as you say? The most earnest of all 4 kids voice actors, Greg Abbey.
0: Uh, that's the main character? Yes. Um, seemed fine. Like honestly compared to all the other actors he seemed the the least bad. It seemed like he was the most subdued.
1: Mm-hmm. He's the I would say that if you were going to watch the dub, he is the he and Ted Lewis as Jack Atlas are the only thing that make that show somewhat watchable. But I uh, I still prefer the Japanese voice actors.
0: I I also thought it was hilarious how the the police officer was drawn in that episode because he his just the way that his face is drawn and his mannerisms were so cartoonishly evil and the voice actor was also really hamming it up he's just like <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like
1: that was that was dan green the guy who voiced yuki in the dub
0: why don't I- I, are you serious?
1: Yes, I was. Damn he went mean. from
0: the main character to like this, like loser police officer that gets like bumped off in the first episode.
1: No, he he reappears, but uh, yeah. And Greg Appy actually voiced Tristan, who was like that tall, brown-haired idiot friend of Yugi's.
0: I I I remember Tristan m- mostly because of uh, the little Karibo of Ridge <laughs> series. Yeah, you I remember
2: Tristan. <laughs>
1: Greg Abbey was, voiced him.
2: Was Tristan an idiot? No, he wasn't. He, a, he I
1: thought he was, was just in,
2: dude, he was, dude. <laughs> he
1: was in the abridged.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the abridged? He was so dumb. <laughs> Joey okay. is the idiot.
1: Okay. Yeah, Joey is the idiot. Okay, what other questions do you have? Are the monsters real? Mm, no, it's it's... It's 3D 3D holograms, but the further you get into the series and the more more of the mystical world they visit and less of the sort of scientific world, the more that sort of boundary starts to break. Huh. Okay. What
0: the hell does... why do they feel the need to have these duels on the motorcycles? Like what, what does that add to the actual duels? What does it add to the duels?
1: Yeah. It makes it visually interesting. That's the only reason. Uh i ima- well I think that I think the reason Kasugi Takahashi did it that way was because he just watched a lot of Akira before making it. I, ima- <laughs> I imagine that's the reason why. In the manga... That's,
2: so, <laughs> that's such a sad excuse. I'm sure he just edited because he needed a fucking gimmick because Yu-Gi-Oh! is burned out.
1: In the manga he did it because... I think they were... I haven't read all the manga, but my understanding is that they were sort of like crusaders or knights or something who like rode on horsebacks and played these while games while playing of...
2: cards
0: <laughs>
1: no who 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 summoned monsters to fight one another and that that sort of is modernized with the with the motorcycles
2: wait who 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 summoned monsters the knights and the the old like back in in the Oh universe yes so they played card games without the cards but just summoning monsters
1: yeah yes. originally is that originally... what the pharaohs did too Yes. And then, then Yugi, or like Yami, the pharaoh, he locked all that magical shit away. And then, when Yukimoto finished the Millennium Puzzle, he accidentally brought all that magic back.
2: Okay, I, I think we but should go. Then, move how, on. how did one company make a card game out of it and monopolize the whole thing?
1: Because Maximilian Pegasus, or Pegasus J. Crawford in the SUP, he uh he has one of those millennium items and he was able like he can read minds and he has access to that dark magic and he saw like oh this is where it's all going to go and like this ancient game that was played 10,000 years ago like 5,000 years ago that game is about to restart again in modern times and everything needs to be prepared and i'm gonna i'm gonna use the magic to bring back my wife or something like that
0: yeah, I was going to
2: say I remember something about his wife. Was, was Pegasus a board member of Kaiba's company?
1: No, he was he had a company called Industrial Illusions and he was trying to take over Kaiba's company.
2: Uh, wait, what what does Kaiba's company produce?
1: Kaiba's company was they produced war machines under the board member under, under the leadership of Gozaboro Kaiba, the adoptive father of Sado Kaiba. But when Sado Kaiba took over the company, he, I think he moved it into like telecommunications and car and uh, games, like gaming.
0: Huh. Yeah. I'm done with Yu-Gi-Oh. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't. You didn't,
1: you didn't say if you liked it or not.
2: You know what's fucking weird. Like we have scripts of philosophers from medieval times and ancient Greek times, but somehow the recordings of the card games of the Secret games back then didn't survive People didn't know about that that they that the Knights played those
1: now I'm I'm guessing that it was like Knights on horseback. I'm just saying there was something about spirits riding on like skeletal horses or something that was just modernized for the Era the manga takes place in. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I don't know for sure. We, that's are what, what the, uh, we are moving on. We're not was. talking
0: about Yu-Gi-Oh anymore. I did didn't not like the. Ep- I d- I did not like the episode. I don't want to watch anymore. What? We're, we're moving on. What? After all this? <laughs> but it we're, makes so much sense. We're moving <laughs> on. So, I just recently beat Katana Zero. I beat it twice. I beat it a second time just so I could fight the like secret hidden boss that you have to fulfill some like really specific conditions in order to unlock um totally worth it though I think it was easily the best boss fight in the game really tough but I thoroughly enjoyed it I thoroughly enjoyed the game overall I I mean I wouldn't have beaten it twice (laughs) if I didn't um I think the the whole game is just fantastic the music was great I loved the, the visuals, the, the sprite work is gorgeous, the gameplay is tight and fun, and figuring out how to get through all the different rooms is so visceral and thrilling. And I even thought that the story and it was pretty neat too, I, I liked uh, figuring out what was going on and what, what exactly was, like, giving the main character his... Precognition and just the, the sort of the the weird way that the the uh, the story would progress and dull out information. I thought was all really cool. It does end on a cliffhanger, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? They're going to be releasing some free DLC soon, so that's cool. I don't I don't know if the uh, the cliffhanger is referring to the DLC or if eventually we'll get a sequel, like a full-blown new game. Not sure. But as it stands, Catan Zero is a badass game. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. What would you think about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think the the story was actually my favorite aspect overall. Um, the soundtrack is dope. The, the gameplay is, is good. I just wish it was a bit more complex. Um, like, throughout sure. the game, I kind of hoped they would maybe add another mechanic.
0: They kind of did. And then they took it away from us, which I was not pleased with. Cause I feel like there's a lot more gameplay complexity that, that could have been added to the different scenarios. Um, had we been playing as that other character? So I well, think that's it was, what uh, you mean
2: with they did. What is it? You, you mean when you said they did add something, you mean the second character? Right. Yeah,
0: so indeed. I was I was actually hoping that like because the way that's contextualized in the story, the main character is watching a videotape, and he is watching this other guy, um, fight through um, the prison, and I think that's a cool way of, of showing, that and and giving us the opportunity to play as that character, but I was really hoping that like after that because that character has an ability that the main character doesn't, and I was really hoping that. The main character was watching this and would go like, "Oh, this is how he's doing that." He would learn it, and then you would keep that ability for the rest of the game. But that's not how it works. And I was like, "Ah, oh, that's what a missed opportunity."
2: No, yeah, I guess that ability is also kind of a power, though.
0: It it is, but at the same time, like all they would need to do is to make the game harder around that ability yeah, and, and make sure. it so that's it's balanced around it.
2: Did you notice that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of little details in this game that I probably appreciated the most. Um, when you beat a stage, you kind of get a replay of what happened, right? And yes. it looks like security footage of a camera. And in yes. that footage, when you watch that back, all the time-warping abilities don't actually happen. They they happen yeah, instantly. Yeah, it's,
0: it's just shown seamlessly.
2: Yeah. And that also happened with uh, the, the second guy, where he would just, in, in the game, you can actually slow down time, aim where you want to go and then slash over there. And then on the footage, it's just, yeah, seamlessly, suddenly he's completely in a different place and everything around him died. That's, that, that was the whole way they portrayed time. It's not time travel. It's just time-altering, but, yeah, but in, in, in the mind, so it happens in the mind of the character, but no one around him actually sees it, and that comes well, into what, play with a lot of the story, and
0: that, that was so interesting to me. That's how it appears at first, but then when uh, there's one character in particular where um, when you talk to him, it, it seems as if your character is actually reversing time. Because he's able to retain information that he got and spit it back out. So, like, there are certain dialogue uh, options where you learn that, like, oh, the character has a date, and you learn what his name is, and then, but you have to die a couple of times before you get that information. And when you come back, you say it to him, and then he's like, he's like, what the hell? You know, how do you know my name? How do you know about the date? You know, what's going on here? So it, that's,
2: I, mm, see it's, it's portrayed that way, and I'm not sure how it's explained, but the it's basically the usage of a drug, right of an experimental drug.: Yeah Crow I knows. don't think a drug can give you time travel powers. It can slow down your perception of time. It can maybe help you I don't know. see it's, that, that well, is where the explanation kind of falls apart. Or where you just have to take it as, at face value, and I choose to believe that the, the drug doesn't give them time travel powers. It's just something close to it, so they can contextualize the uh, Hotline Miami-style gameplay of, of try and try again.
0: I I mean, I, I understand, but at the same time, I think the, the game is being a little loosey-goosey with the, the world building, because the... The secret boss that you fight um, is a character that basically just injects himself with a ton of like experimental government-created drugs, and then he eventually starts floating and shooting like energy blasts at you. Hmm. So uh, there, there. I mean, you might want to throw out like, well, that's a secret boss. Maybe it's not canon. Sure, but it it is in the game, so I think that there is a supernatural sort of like slant that this game has. Okay. So I think it can be explained that like the drug can actually alter time. um, If that's the case. Hmm.
2: A, A experimental drug is too trivial of an explanation to me for time travel powers if that makes sense just doesn't doesn't fit completely in my mind
0: i mean how else would you explain that the main character was able to learn what uh what v's name is yeah, exactly and that... that
2: that is the stuff that doesn't fully make sense he could maybe play he maybe he has like a hundred years of time to play it out in his mind or something but that wouldn't explain why he gets new information.
0: Yeah, it, it, the way it's, it's shown in the game is that, like, you're getting that information because you're talking to him, and then you get that information, and then you die, and then you come back with that information.
2: Yeah. Hmm. But the time travel only works a few seconds into the past and you know what maybe i shouldn't just try to to understand it i'm sure the more you try to break it down the more it doesn't make sense <laughs> because then you'd have to ask yourself questions like how is it triggered what if he dies instantly can he not go back in time because he's dead how does it work i don't know yeah the point it's, is it's
0: like a, it's like hitchcock where you know you have that one thing that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah,
2: but that's the, yeah, that's kind of that.
0: Yep. yep that because one the thing it doesn't uh, make sense, but everything else is uh, consistent around it.
2: Yeah, the story around it is really cool in terms of those little details. As I said, in the con- in the video footage, you don't see the time slow down. Um, just a game that has that Hotline Miami style trial and error gameplay. But tries to come up with the rules why that even exists in the first in the first place, and then that warping your 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 understanding of time and reality, the drug in the main character's head, and that being built into the story of then he, he can't really he doesn't really know what's real and what isn't, and he starts hallucinating and all that shit. That is super interesting to me.
0: Yeah, uh, it got really trippy. Uh, especially later on in the game where the main character started to uh misremember things and like he starts hallucinating and tripping out and uh it's actually kind of revealed at one point that like uh there's one character in particular that wasn't actually there the entire time and he had just been like hallucinating her the entire time yeah. and and I actually um when I replayed the game, this is something I picked up. Uh, every time the main character dreams and he has like a, a weird nightmare, um, one of the first times he has that nightmare, he's playing catch with someone. And if you look at that that black shadow, it's actually the silhouette of that that character, that girl.
2: Yes, I noticed that. That's kind of obvious,
0: actually. But I, I thought
2: at but that it point wasn't... he
0: was just... What? it wasn't obvious to me because I was playing on handheld on the switch so to me it just looked oh. like a black
2: blob okay
0: no you can really make
2: out the silhouette but at that point I was like because that that cutscene keeps changing in it does what the characters what they look like that it is revealed more Then suddenly you realize oh that's actually a good guy and then the, the cutscene has a new context and all that so I was kind of thinking maybe because he can't fully remember he just was inserting that girl into into his memory because he was uh, as interacting with her earlier
0: yeah yeah and then at the end of the game you get to see that full scene um not as a dream but as it actually happened it kind of makes me think though that like it's possible that the character was mixing up memories and that like he had been in that in that building more than once like maybe he was there as a child and then he came back as an adult, and he was mixing up what had happened. But in but, the end, you know, it's kind of fully explained, right? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just ex, I'm just giving my, uh, my theory as to like why is it that the dream keeps changing? Because you know maybe he's just like fusing it with his m- with different memories.
2: Okay. Yeah. Maybe. That's a but yeah, good ass story, good characters, yeah, cool, really really cool, cool characters.
0: Yeah, I liked the, uh, I, I especially liked messing around with the therapist because he, he gets so angry with you. Like, like at the very beginning of the game, if you like, if you hang up on him, he gets super pissed. <laughs> if you keep hanging no, up with him, pissed. he gets progressively angrier. It's hilarious
2: yeah and then the the russian guy who v and en- v who enters your neighbor's apartment and touches them and then sends you the video of it yeah that is so great
0: yeah that was pretty messed up
2: and the neighbors have no fucking clue what's going on that is man yeah but also yeah. gameplay as you said snappy great it uh, could have been a bit visceral. deeper in my mind um i on more levels with more enemy variety, something like that i wasn't fully uh fully satisfied with the gameplay that was in there and then
0: I feel like it created a awesome foundation and yeah, I, it just needs to be expanded on it yeah. just like I thought it was such a missed opportunity that you can gain new swords, but you can only get those swords after you beat the game like i thought that alone would have added some needed depth to the game where as you play through the game you get new swords with new properties and abilities and you know you could like choose your loadout before the next level and you know you could get a sword that's really fast but maybe it doesn't deflect very well or you know maybe you can get a sword that's really slow but it's You actually do get a sword that's really slow it but it like it carves through shields very easily so i just i think that that could have added some i the thing is though like the swords that are in it in the game right now are like almost all of them are like immediately better than your base sword except for like the first sword you unlock which basically just changes the color of the blood but like Every other one is basically just an improvement over your standard katana. So, I think if they just would have balanced the swords more and they just – they wouldn't make them just automatically better and they were just, like, different, then I think that could have made for some more interesting and varied gameplay. But, oh, well. I I still really like the gameplay. I recommend fighting that hidden boss especially. Like, that for me was the peak of gameplay – like, the, the, that boss was so much fun to fight, and it was really a really good challenge.
2: Okay. Maybe I will go back to it. Well, maybe I would just keep pumping the soundtrack because that thing is fucking baller.
0: That. And that the way, soundtrack the, way the main
2: character picks up his Walkman and clicks yeah. on it, and then the music starts playing. That's
0: so good. That's such yeah, a good yeah. effect. He's just like, wait a minute. Click. Yeah
2: mean <laughs> simple wave be- beats come in. God I love when music is actually played or b- when music happens Di- within the universe and you that's, hear yeah. it kind of distorted or in the way the character would hear
0: it. I love that so yeah, much. That's Every called, time it uh, that happens. That's called diegetic. Yeah. No, yeah, I I I, I was all for it. So yeah, Katana Zero, strongly recommended. I beat it on the Switch. I think it's I'm I I know for certain it's on PC. I don't know if it's I on anything else. I played it on else. PC. Okay. So yeah, strongly recommended. It's 15 bucks. Go pick it up. There's uh, some free DLC coming our way. And what's already there is like really good. So, give it a shot, guys. All right, Acer. Yes. Uh yes. you had some you had some stuff that you wanted to talk about.
1: Yes. Uh which do you think is more interesting? The three stigmata of Palmer Eldritch or Perfect Blue?
0: Mm, I Let, wonder. Let's, let's 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 discuss Palmer Eldritch first. Okay. Do you guys have any idea what it is? Mm, nope. Bogan?
2: I know what Eldritch is. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs>
1: It's it's a book written by Philip K. Dirk. He's my favorite author, I think. He wrote um, for just for those not in the know, he wrote the book that would become Blade Runner, even though the movie doesn't really have anything to do with like the book. Not really. Uh, do
0: sh- do sheep dream of Do Androids dream of electric oh. sheep? Oh, he, oh that yeah, 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 yeah. He, he wrote Dream of Electric Sheep.
1: He wrote Vallist, he wrote Mars in Time Slip, he wrote Total Recall, he wrote Minority Report he did the man in the high castle. He's a very prolific writer.
2: I actually just watched Total Recall the other day for the first time.
1: The Schwarzenegger one or the Colin Farrell one? Mm,
2: the Schwarzenegger one obviously. <laughs>
1: That's movie. That man, movie the fuck is, why is I great. when I watched the remake. People say that the Colin Farrell one is more accurate to the book. But I, I don't disagree. Give a fuck. Yeah, I I don't give a fuck, but also I disagree. Because I think one, one thing that really characterizes all of his books is that they're super weird. And they've got like, you know, we, we've gone to this a couple of times now. Hitchcock said that you can have one thing that doesn't make sense.
2: <laughs> I can't even tell if you guys are messing with me now.
1: Philip K. Dick's books have like a thousand things that don't make sense. Like, in Yupik, they're traveling back in time But also time is being eaten up and also they're in half-life cryostasis and the only salvation comes in the form of a golden spray can. And it's like, what the fuck is going on?
2: So he's a hack, is what you're saying.
1: No, (laughs) he's amazing. Is what I'm saying.
2: If that book came out today, people would rip it apart.
1: Yes, but people are wrong. People are wrong uh, to
2: do so.
1: The three stigmata of polymer Elders is what I want to talk about, though. So, the idea is that Earth is no good anymore. It's a hundred years or something in the future. Earth is no good anymore. It's way too hot. And they're building colonies on Mars to uh, sort of prepare for when we ruin the planet. Global warming. Am I right, guys?
2: (laughs) Please don't make this political. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Bunch of liberal propaganda, if yeah. you ask me.
2: <laughs> but um, I, excuse me, it was 8 degrees today, so... Uh, excuse me, Clearly it's, global warming is not happening right now.
1: Excuse me, I just saw snow. <laughs> but, uh, so it's getting way too hot in the book. So they're building these uh, refugee camp. Well, what what word did I use earlier? They're terraforming it. They're building little stations of little communities on Mars to try to prepare for the eventual departure. And uh, people on Mars are very bored. So they get this drug called candy, and when they eat it, they have this sort of uh, psychedelic experience. And they have a doll called the Pecky something, which they use to sort of guide their psychedelic experience so that they can have this sort of vivid vision of inhabiting somebody else's life and they can enjoy that uh, trip sort of communally with their spouses or whatever. And our main character is a psychic in this universe. Uh, uh, and uh, Basically, he works for a guy whose name was like Barney? and Barney is a guy who utilizes you know, psychics to sort of grow his business they, they, they sort of predict what trends are going to happen and then he sort of invests there and arriving from deep space for the first time in many many years is a man <laughs> named Palmer Eldridge and Palmer Eldridge is a very fun character because he's basically through the course of this story he becomes sort of like an insane god. Because he comes with a new drug... Which is more potent than candy... Called choosy. And when you take it... Palmer Eldridge is able to manipulate... Your perception of reality. Don't know how. Whoa. Yeah. And everybody starts to take it. And what characterizes Palmer Eldridge is... He has... And these are the three stigmata of Palmer Eldridge. He has a mechanical hand he's got metallic. he's got a mechanical eyes and he's got metal teeth and I heard it said somewhere that they're all representative of his disassociation from humanity where he can't speak truth because of his teeth he can't see reality and he can't touch it here's a photo of him and basically everybody starts seeing those three uh, characteristics on everybody they meet. Because this guy has just invaded everybody's perception of reality. And the entire story is this... You know, the characters are kind of trying to escape from his grip. But whenever they think they're out, they just realize that they're even deeper into uh, the trip than they thought. I like the best... Philip K. Dick stories, it doesn't make any sense except when you're reading it so I would recommend everybody pick that book up, it's like 50 years old, but it's still good Um, it's a lot less like a lot of his books are permeated by the sort of Cold War paranoia this book really isn't but it's still good
0: Cool. It sounds very interesting. I'll say that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As, is that all you want to say about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, unless you guys have questions about it.
0: I'd rather just read it. Um, It just sounds really cool. Mm-hmm.
1: I also recommend Yupik, okay. the book I kind of went through earlier. That book is insanely good. Maybe I'll talk about I feel that like, one day.
0: I feel like I should probably read... Um, do Android stream of electric sheep first, just because I I really like Blade Runner, but um, yeah, this one sounds really good too. I'll give it a shot.
1: Yeah.
0: But 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 now it's time for the doozy. Ooh. I'm not sure I'm not sure how this is gonna turn out. Um, but uh, you saw Perfect Blue, and I rewatched it recently just to refresh myself on it. My feelings on the movie haven't really changed. Um, I
2: rewatched it too.
0: So, so
1: yeah. Perfect Blue is the, sort of the impetus for us. We, we were on a little break recording episodes while we upload the backlog, but we came back strapping to record this one because we wanted to talk about Perfect Blue. Yes. So I'm going to give you a bit of context so that you can understand my feelings on the movie first. Okay. I, I didn't watch it alone. I was watching it with a friend of mine, and she doesn't really have a good... She she has a very little appetite for cruel media, I should say. Mm. So like
0: mm.
1: Mm, so like Game of Thrones. No mm, no 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 nothing like that. Her idea of like a fantasy movie is Bambi before the mother was shot. I don't know. But uh, so basically she came over. We watched movies every now and then.
0: You should not have. You.
1: you <laughs> Wait should not, a minute. Wait a You should minute. not have
0: seen this with her then.
1: Wait a minute. Okay. And we were watching it, and uh, well, we, she was like, "Oh, wish was what movie did you want to watch?" And I was like, "Hey, my friends suggest Perfect Blue. They think that's like a good movie, and I want to watch that." And we watched it, and I saw her get more and more distraught throughout the entire thing. <laughs> But I didn't want to shut it off because I really liked it, and I didn't really Yay. want. To... Yay! Yay! Uh, I didn't want to because you
2: had an obligation to fulfill for this <laughs> fucking podcast.
1: <laughs> and I saw her get like she was super uncomfortable with it, and I was like, Ugh, "If I want to be a good friend, I really should stop <laughs> watching this." But it's I really want to finish it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Oh, okay.
1: So um, she uh when she went home and she was like, uh, I don't know if I want to watch another movie with you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Witches burned. Oh yes.
1: wow! <laughs> but um, on the movie itself, I think it's a great movie. I think it's very aptly named, like Perfect Blue, because it is it is it is like a perfect movie. It's, yes. It's, it's like made.
2: Uh, Satoshi... Yeah, I'm sure that's what they had in mind when they came up with that name. <laughs> We're
0: gonna you make a know, what perfect I find, movie. It, what I find super funny and ironic is that it's called Perfect Blue, but the predominant color throughout the movie is red.
1: It's it it feels like a movie that had been made a million times. It was just it was like so effortless, but so incredibly well made at the same time. Like it's just like you like, have the I, greatest. Studio of all time, just barely flexing their muscle, but it's still so good.
0: Well, like I just, mean, it's Madhouse. Madhouse, have, they, just, they've made, like, just some of the greatest animes of all time, you know?
1: Just the visual of her uh, Mima, the the other Mima, I should say, sort of floating around, chasing her through the streets. Like, whoa, that's super cool. And, you, and that would not work in live action.
0: See, that... Now, I don't know how legit this is, but I heard that originally the movie was supposed to be live action, but that the film reels were burned somehow. And it would have been too expensive to reshoot it, so, that, so they instead turned it into an anime. And again, I don't know how legit that is. That might just be some urban legend. But if that's the case, then I'm glad that's what happened, because, <laughs> because watching the movie now... Like, there's no way those effects in, like, the early 90s would hold up. Like, it would look like trash. And as an anime, it looks perfect. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong with it.
2: Mm.
1: They're able to sort of stress the faces of... Like, when characters do disgusting things, they sort of stress just how disgusting-looking they are.
2: Yeah. It's
0: like, really Mimania, good. especially. Yeah. And Rumi. Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah and that whole thing where um at the end where her name it was that, it's Rumi the fat girl
0: yeah yes yeah. she she the used manager. to be an idol when she was younger, and um she is she's just kind of washed up now
1: that entire p- part but well, where... she's not
2: washed up, she moved on to train other idols,
0: sure like yeah but sure she still But she glorifies I just
2: mean... that past
0: that that's what I meant was that like She's washed up in the sense that, like, she's not only no longer doing it, but she's still a part of the industry in like a, in a less, like in a more like in the background sort of position. And she still idolizes that that like persona so much that like by the end of the movie, like when she starts seeing how Mima was straying from that path, she she felt the need to fill in that gap herself like it's harkening back to who she used to be but then also um like becoming mima because mima is like ideally who she probably like wants to be or or how she used to see herself
1: her life revolved around creating that and she doesn't want it to be to disappear that sort of idea yes. of mima that entire yeah. scene that entire section where you saw Mima, but it was actually her, and this way like the sort of juxtaposition between what's actually happening and what appears to be happening that was so fucking well
0: done. I know it was so good because it gets it it so effectively gets across how mentally fucked Mima is at that point like she is she is struggling so hard to uh understand like what she's looking at and like what is real and what isn't and it's it's conveyed so effortlessly like yeah god there was there was was one shot one shot
2: i didn't like about that scene and like one shot i didn't like about this movie in general in the second viewing now is when they actually when she gets chased by by rumi at the end and then there's one shot where, in the reflection of a mirror or of a window, you actually see her, sweatily running. Yes, after her, and that was such a slapstick shot, in my opinion, where I wish they had just kept it with that that apparition of herself. I didn't need to know I what don't... it looks like in reality.
0: I I no I th- I felt
1: that was more like. Like ugh, like this is what's ugh, re- like, and that was sort of my reaction to it. Yeah, but then you that.
2: can't go. Then I couldn't help but go back to okay, how did she get down from that window? She and jumped. I just, yeah, she jumped. But I'm just then imagining this fat woman trying really hard to get down to the to the street. <laughs> that Nima. But that's what's actually to. happening.
0: Yeah, but I don't. I don't want to
2: just know that. I don't want to think about that.
0: Well, it wants you to think about it because that's what's actually happening. (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's a fair point.
1: So, uh, if I I can quickly just give my summary, because I wrote this down, and I don't want to lose the opportunity to say this because I'm very proud of my review. (laughs) Okay. I think Perfect Blue, it's aptly named on two accounts. The first one, and that's just relating to the movie itself, it's a perfect movie. The second one, relating to my experience it's the perfect Blue Balls movie. Oh!
0: oh, oh God oh. damn! Oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. Oh. No, she's not that you kind know, of friend. She's, she's not that kind of friend, everybody. I don't want her to watch this and think I'm spreading lies.
0: Okay. I was going to say, though, like you probably should have asked us beforehand <laughs> <laughs> and just be like, hey, guys, I'm going to watch this with a friend. You know, should I? Then we could have explained, like, if she's not into, like, really rough like not mean-spirited but just like because like Mima goes through a lot of shit throughout the movie like she she does like the rape scene in 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 the double bind show and then she almost actually gets raped at some point and it's it's rough stuff but she didn't actually no she didn't yeah. I said almost.
2: And I, the, the one thing, I I mean, uh, one of the things I clearly remembered from the first viewing was in that rape scene. Um, the the one that is actually the TV show where the guy who is sitting on top of her actually apologizes to her. That yeah. made it yeah. so, so human to me in that moment where I'm just as uncomfortable with this as you are. But we are professional actors, so we have to go through this.
0: Yeah. I liked that a lot too. Like, and it, it's, it's, it's also very uncomfortable to watch, like just because it's, it's, it is a fake rape scene for a show within a movie. And yet even with all those degrees of separation, it's still really uncomfortable to watch. It's just this like her eyes glaze over and she's, becoming disoriented and it's just like oh god it's yeah really rough
1: and then after the scene where she's like screaming like i didn't want to fucking do it it's like oh she's not having you a good so... time but
2: she's, yeah. good. she's good she's a good actress in the movie mm. and that's why at the end she actually becomes super famous yeah. because she has that talent one of the things I kind of forgot was how much of a dunce she actually is at the start and especially um, where she yeah, is she doesn't so, know how to use a computer. Yeah, she's so passive. She relies on everyone else. And I kind I of remembered her having more of a character, but she didn't. And that actually makes sense because that's how everyone else just keeps projecting the ideal image of her onto her against her will. Because she just lets it mm-hmm. happen, you know.
0: Mimania is like projecting onto her, thinking that like she's this perfect angel of yeah. an idol. Uh, Rumi is projecting onto her and like what what she believes that she should be doing with her career, even though she's like taking it in a different direction. Um, like, yeah, she's kind of like if you really think about it, there's not a whole lot to her actual character throughout no. the movie. She's she's past a lot of it is her passively like just accepting what's happening and it isn't until like as the movie grows on where she starts becoming more active and she gets more agency
2: that is the whole theme of the movie is she doesn't know who she actually is she just has this dream of becoming famous singer yeah yeah i mean a singer first then an actor an actress later yeah. But to to get to that she just listens to everyone around her and she never forms her own opinion or way of doing things. And that's why she yeah. just why why all these different ideas keep clashing and take her down with them.
0: You know, it like that's why when that's, uh, it's it's great. That's why when her other singers at Cham when they were talking about like oh this photographer is like a he he does like those really lewd pictures, doesn't he? And and the other girl is like, yeah, but Mima doesn't care. She's probably just gonna, you know, just show it all, and she does. Yeah. And and that just that just shows how like she's just doing whatever she thinks she's supposed to do, rather than what she wants to do. Yep.
2: Yeah. That's it's, it's perfect script. It's
0: just. Great movie, great movie. Apparently, it was initially based on a book, but um, when Satoshi Kon directed it, he also wrote the script, and he made like a lot of substantial changes from the book in order to kind of like make his own vision, which I think is the right way to do it. Like, I'm sure some people who are fans of the book are like, "Oh, it sh- should have been more faithful" or whatever, but like, it's not. Like just because something isn't like one hundred percent faithful that doesn't make it bad. It, it it just needs to work and make sense within the medium. Like yeah. mm-hmm.
1: going back to uh going back to Blade Runner, the entire theme of like, oh, is is he on Android or isn't he? That's one chapter in the middle of the book. Like that book is a, is about people sort of uniting with this sort of digital Jesus character. And you don't get any of that in the movie because it doesn't work in a movie, assumably.
0: I thought it was pretty obvious that Decker was not an android, like a, or, or a replicant or whatever. I thought the, it was pretty obvious that he was just a movie human. would uh, disagree with you. I, I, don't care what the director says.
2: <laughs> uh huh. I see you don't res- you don't respect his artistic vision. His You know no. whose
1: artistic vision can eat a dick? The guy who designed Sonic, but not the movie Sonic, like the original the the Sonic from video games with like the green eyes and the lanky legs and the disgusting body proportions. That guy's vision can go to hell.
0: But like Ridley Scott did not write Blade Runner, he directed it. He didn't write the script. Yeah, but you just said uh, it's okay
2: when th- people take liberties with the source material to make it better.
0: Sure. I think
1: Ridley Scott. But I don't. Did, I think Blade Runner is a script Ridley Scott had something to do with.
0: No, he didn't.
1: Really? I think he touched what? it up at some point, right? Um, I, kn- I know he didn't read the book.
0: I know. I know that Rutger Hauer uh, ad-libbed the uh, tears in the rain at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know I don't think Ridley Scott wrote the script. And yeah, I was saying that like sometimes you know, it can be good to to make changes. But But in Blade Runner it's I don't, the exact I don't...
2: wrong choice to make the movie work. To have Deckard be a replicant. It just doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, like the yeah, the point that I was trying to make was just that like the movie doesn't make any sense if Deck, if Decker is a replicant. Yeah, like he's constantly getting overpowered by them. Like,
1: there are different types of replicants, but um, the problem with the Blade Runner movie is that there is no real theme being explored until like at the very very end. Most of the movie is just sort of guiding you between these really beautiful vistas.
2: Like it begins, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it begins
1: very strong with like setting up where he's like, "Oh, is that a real owl?" And she goes, "There are no more real owls," and that's carried through from that's carried over from the book. But then at the middle, it's just like a detective story where we know what's going on, and it's just not a lot of stuff happening. Yes, but, uh, rut, that's true everything with Rutger Hauer in that movie is great which I think is sort of inverted from the book because um, his character what's his name what's what's Rutger Hauer's character's name no idea I, phew, I forget uh, his name is Roy Batty uh, Roy Batty is a yeah. really boring character in the book and and uh, Deckard is a really interesting character in the book but uh, I think we should go back to Perfect Blue.
0: Sure. So I was a little worried because I thought that you weren't gonna like Perfect Blue just the way that you were talking about it before we discussed it. So I'm I'm I am glad that you ended up enjoying it.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, this is not the horror movie you like. Oh, if you need a girl, just watch a horror movie. Girls love horror movies. This is not that horror movie. No. It's really good.
0: This is not a horror no, I, movie I at would... all. Yeah, it's, it's mean, a psychological I, horror movie. It's a it's a such yeah, I'd say so. Like I'd say it's a psychological thriller with horror elements. Cuz it, it it's 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 got some frightening things here and there depending on your disposition. I personally am not like scared of the movie at all, but it I'd say it does have some like shocking imagery.
1: I think I think that's just semantics. I think we can all sure. agree that yeah. it is. Like it, it is a good movie. It's a good movie in its own field. It's not It's
0: a fantastic movie. Yeah. It's f- not one of the it's best. not
1: it's not a conjuring. It's not in that that category.
0: I would not call it a horror movie. At most it has it's a thriller and it has a lot of yeah. uh, social commentary.
1: I, I guess it, my yeah. definition of horror is just looser than your guys's.
0: At, yeah, at most i just say it has horror elements but you know whatever it doesn't matter what you want to label it as it's a fantastic movie it's a masterpiece in my eyes it's one of Satoshi Khan's best and uh, I think that's a good stopping point we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with the essay question so stick around everyone it's time to brew ourselves some espresso and talk about our essay topic which is what makes a good or bad flawed character so just to be clear what we mean by that um because you might say like well if it's a flawed character that means it's a bad character right because that means the same thing not 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 necessarily so you can have a well-written character that is flawed but there's also poor ways of handling a flawed character so um, apparently there's something about superman here as well that i think acer wanted to talk about so i'll let you lead in
1: no i i just put that in brackets behind because spoken and i once i think Boken you said that you don't like superman yes yeah, I just put that in brackets behind this because I thought maybe there's a way to thread him into this conversation, but.
2: Uh, well, Daniel he, just fucking shoveled him into the conversation. Yeah, see, so I. let's go. Uh, <laughs> the,
1: the thing is, he's not a flawed character, so I don't think this is the time to talk about Superman.
0: Okay, then. Disregard. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff.
1: Save us, Daniel.
0: Okay, so I would say that what makes a, a good flawed character is that the, the, the flaw the, the things that makes this character interesting are the flaws. So I would say that for the most part, a character like Superman, I, it does depend on how you handle them. I, I believe strongly in the idea that like execution is the most important thing. Um, that being said, I think it's easier to get a character like Superman wrong because they're he's perfect. Mm. So most and,
1: Superman stories suck specifically because how do you write a guy who is perfect and doesn't let you down?
0: Right. So in that sense, it makes it makes for a more compelling story for the most part if the character is flawed because people are flawed. We all have our issues. And it may not necessarily be that we directly see ourselves in the character because of that specific flaw, but we're able to relate to them in a more general sense because we uh, we have that foundation of humanity where okay, this person is flawed, and I'm also flawed. So that just that creates a, a, a connection that isn't really there with a character like Superman. You have to with Superman, I would say like. There, you have to come up with more interesting ways in order to to make that character good.
1: It's it's the same with Superman as Captain America, where what makes them interesting is seeing their perfect moral compass not bent even in the harshest of circumstances and watching how they can solve their problems without um, breaking their codes of ethics.
0: Right. I think I remember... Um... Captain America Captain America quote where it was something like like when the world around you is yelling at you to move you know you have to be a tree and say no you move yes it was something like that i forget the the, the actual quote in paraphrasing i don't know if you're familiar like yeah but you know i think it, you know i think when we think of like um what makes like a good flawed character? We typically think of characters that are very human. So, how is this done poorly then? Ooh, I would. Uh... I think that's hard. I think that's a little harder to get across. Where like, but I think the best way to put it would be this. And this is only one facet of of this type of character. But I think it makes a lot of sense when I phrase it like this. If the story only makes sense because the characters are stupid, then it, the story doesn't make sense. So I, I would say that that is a, a that is emblematic of how to do a flawed character poorly, where the the story is on, is only like propped up because their their flaws are so. Are, are are so outlandish that like it in it, it, it's 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 what's propelling the plot in an unnatural way.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay. I I have three things written down here in terms of okay. what is a bad flawed character. Because we already okay, agree what it. a good flawed character is, right? Um I think so what I have written down here in my notes is when when the res when the resolution is forced. So when when a character overcomes his flaw but it's not necessarily or when when the Her. arc around the flaw is kind of finished, but it's not natural. The character just has some kind of epiphany out of nowhere.
0: That's so- See, that that reminds me of Dante from like the Devil May Cry reboot. Where like the game tries to like imply or tell us that like that he has gone through this arc throughout the story, but it doesn't feel earned because he acts as like this obnoxious little shit throughout the entire game, and then all of a sudden we have to to just buy at the end that like oh no he he's a he's he's still a good guy like he's he's better now no. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel earned because no, nothing that happened in the story that would would really convince us that he has grown. He it doesn't it doesn't really even convince us that he's like really gotten over like any of his problems or his flaws. It, it more so just comes across that he fell in love with Cat. And he just likes cat and now he just wants to protect cat and that's all there is to it. He doesn't he didn't really grow as a person, he just grew a boner.
1: Huh. Boner.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> okay, so what if um as my second note here is when it's inconsistent, and as an example for myself, I wrote down Luke in the Last Jedi. Because I know a lot of people don't like where they take his character and they don't like that whole arc about him trying to train Kylo Ren and almost murdering him in his sleep. And a lot of people have this ideal image of Luke in their minds that Luke Skywalker would never do that ever. Hmm. What do you guys think about that arc?
0: I think the problem with that is that it's... I think it's kind of unrealistic to expect that Luke stayed the exact same way all of those years after the events of of uh, the Return of the Jedi up to the Last Jedi to ex to expect him to just be this static character the whole time. I think it's unrealistic. Yeah, he's he's but he's not supposed
2: to be static, I guess, because he can kind of grow paranoid of the Force and that that uh constant threat of someone becoming evil right because of the temptation of the dark side so he becomes kind of paranoid about teaching people about it um but would he go as far as murdering someone in their sleep because he's afraid that guy might become a Sith? that is that is a different step Hmm. that is kind of the ultimate step where you just throw your moral code out of the out of the window uh well so i remember in the movie it wasn't then it was kind of a bit more grainy in terms of who actually started and and why and all that shit but um or was it just kylo ren well. kylo ren explaining to ray that he didn't attack luke but luke attacked first
1: I th- well, uh,
0: Kylo Ren it's been a while since I saw the last Jedi, but I thought, him. I thought that I thought what was happening was like Luke was thinking about it and he was, but he hesitated, because he started to second guess himself, and, and that's when um, Kylo Ren, you know, caved the the house. Yeah.
1: We should do a five-hour video on the Last Jedi and why it's bad.
0: I don't feel that strongly about the movie. Nah, me neither. Uh what's what's some
1: good flawed characters would you guys say? Oh
2: god, so many.
0: I think Yeah, I'd I'd say there's way one more of, my, examples um, of, of good. One of my favorite things. Flawed.
2: Oh, Danny, you keep cutting out. And I think I just talked you over You cu- cut you
0: cut out for me as well. I think that's just Discord.
2: Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let, let me go. Um, because one of my favorite things about char- flawed characters is when they have a, a redemption arc. And canonically, the best redemption arc in all of media history is, of course, Zuko from The Last Airbender. So that is
1: probably one of the best flawed characters. What is that?
2: You don't know The Last Airbender.
1: I know The Last Airbender. I don't know what Zuko is.
2: is the, the, the character, the prince, who hunts, yeah, he, who hunts The Last doesn't Airbender. Doesn't he have like a does he, he has have like a mark on his eye? He has a he, huge scar on his eye, yeah. He
1: he's not he's not Avatar with a blue arrow.
2: No. No, no that's Arn. That's the actual Avatar. And Zuko is a prince who got exiled from the kingdom because he he misbehaved in war meeting or something. And then People. he he got thrown out by his own father and so to redeem to, to redeem himself in the eyes of his father. He tries to catch the the, the Avatar.
1: Mm. You know, people say that Avatar is like this great story. I thought that movie was shit.
0: <laughs> 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 uh, that, that was good.
1: Okay. Uh, he's flawed because what?
2: Because he's evil and he is... He has bought into that Fire Nation propaganda. Um, and also he's, he's, you know, very uh, volatile. He is stupid. He doesn't think things through and all that shit. And he just becomes, a, he becomes so much better. And yes, he he, because he has three seasons to grow. And they really take their time with it, and they give him the right secondary characters who have the the right influences on him. And that is one of the most earned just redemption stories I've ever seen.
1: Okay.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's I one that I can think of that really springs to mind is Luke von Farb from Tales of the Abyss. He starts off. He's just a little shit. Just <laughs> flat out. He is just an annoying brat. But it makes sense because he's the son of a duke. Not only that, but, like, he has uh, – he's literally never left um, the confines of his mansion for, like, the – for pretty much almost his entire life. Like, he, they refused to let him out because he had gotten kidnapped when he was younger and he had gotten amnesia from it. And he's so, like, they're really uh, protective of him. And so when he finally gets out and sees the world, he's, like, just – he's used to everyone pampering him. He's used to, uh, like, everyone treating him nice and just, like – he's just created this, like, shitty personality because of the way that he's been treated his whole life. So when he has to actually deal with the real world – he doesn't know how to handle it, and he just acts as like this fucking prick. And there comes a moment where he makes a colossal mistake. He makes just the like I'm not gonna- I'm obviously not gonna spoil it, but he let's just say that the the mistake he makes is of a huge magnitude and the way he reacts to it is it was so traumatizing for him that like he it, it, it starts his redemption arc, where afterwards he starts to really reflect on the way that he's acted. He starts to realize that, like, man, he has just been awful. He has just been a little shit this entire time. And it starts his growth to becoming, like, a better person and to try and, like, make up for all the wrongs that he's, he's done. And I, it felt really earned, like, because... Like the way that he seemed prior to that catastrophic event like it it felt like it would have to be something big in order for him to change his ways so it so when it happened and he makes that effort to become a better person it really it, it's believable and it feels earned when he like by the end of the game he's completely turned around and you really feel like he you know he's he's really transformed as a character you know, yeah great game great game
1: another great flawed character is uh Ivan Karamazov from the uh, well nobody's read that book if we want to talk about Superman we could talk about Lex Luthor because he's a good flawed character sure. um, Lex Luthor is sort of the embodiment of the Nietzschean Superman to the extent that he despises Superman because Superman didn't really need to earn any of his powers and also because he fears that society's dependence on Superman is ultimately a weakness where people should really cultivate uh, power within themselves and self-reliance and all that stuff and in many ways, he is the real man of steel. But it's it, it's he he goes to these extremes to try to prove his way. And if if he, if he were the opponent of many superheroes, he would be the good guy. But specifically because Superman is the perfect sort of superhero, Lex Luthor always comes short uh, ethically speaking because he always tries to do these crazy things. Uh, uh and so see really...
2: that's that's uh an interesting uh separation maybe that is he flawed because he has a different outlook in on society or different uh, philosophical view. Uh
1: uh well that's yes not really a flaw well his 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 flaw really is just his ego but okay. right? there's a there's a famous panel where like he discovers who Superman is he discovers that it is Clark Kent but he just can't reconcile it like he looks at that and it's 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 undeniable proof in front of you I think he like I think originally he built like a supercomputer that just deduced it but I believe it's been retconned to he just found out through cameras or something but his reaction to discovering it was just to smash the computer like no this is ridiculous. A man as great as Superman would not hide behind the veneer of an idiot farm boy from from Kansas. <laughs> and he—he—it's like he can't—he can't take his head out of the clouds. There's a great um, i don't know if you guys have read All Star Superman. Have you?
0: No. Uh, no. Uh,
1: that story ends. That's sort of the final days of Superman before he dies and that story ends with Lex Luthor obtaining the powers of Superman. And uh... Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And that uh, in their final battle, uh, Superman shoots him with like a gravity gun, and Lex Luthor's just like scolding him, you idiot, you thought this was gonna defeat, this was gonna stop me, and then he sur- like he's just pummeling him, and then he just sort of stops, and starts observing the world around him, because now he has super sight, and he's like observing how all the atoms align together and he's like realizing all the fundamental structures of the universe with his superpowers and then the characters start talking in the background like what's what's going on here and Superman like says that gravity gun I shot you with it altered uh, time for you so the super serum you drank to give you those powers it ran out like the 24 hours you had those powers it's over and Lex Luthor is like in impotence he tries to like drink more but Superman had already taken the extra serum away from him and then he's just like sheepishly like trying, banging at Superman's chest like you if it wasn't for you I could have saved the world and he's like screaming at him but then Superman sort of comes back to him with you know Lex if it had really mattered to you you could have saved the world years ago and like you read that and it's like whoa superman with the fucking Sigburn, burn with, with the super facts big. but it's also it is also so it is a very good observation on lex Luthor where he just can't get over himself enough to be the real sort of superman and they're actually doing i, th- I think he is the superman in modern continuity in some extent and uh, I haven't read any of the New, 50, uh, new 52, the uh, Rebirth DC Universe stuff. But I believe that's what they're doing with him, and that's super interesting. But um, I think he's a very good character. And I'm very upset that whenever they make these fucking DC movies, they always get the worst piece of shit to play him. And they just, they just, oh, well, you want an intellectually complex character? No, here's Gene Hackman in a wig. And he's just the biggest <laughs> fucking idiot. And then it's like, oh, well, let's do Jesse. Oh, you, you guys want Mark Zucker, Mark Strong? Or you want uh, Brian Cranston? Somebody with actual like gravitas to sort of embody this character? Nah, let's do Jesse Eisenberg. And it's like, wow, this is such a betrayal of what... like Lex Luthor is so smart, so cunning, so conniving that with the entire Justice League watching him, with Batman and everybody going at him, he was able to become president of the United States of America. He's so intelligent. He was able to outplay everybody. Nah, he's just an idiot in a foppish wig.
0: But is it I thought that his um his reason for disliking Superman is because uh, he lost his hair. Like I heard something <laughs> about that.
1: Yeah, that's that's the original. That's that was like the original one where Superman landed in Metropolis and like the radiation burned off his hair. Or something like that when he was a kid that stuff is not in modern continuity because that is ridiculous
0: yeah that's pretty dumb at least they at least they retconned that that's that's not good
1: yeah that's that sucks the reason he hates him is multi-pronged but it 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 really boils down to that his idea of what a superman should be is not fulfilled by what clark kent does as superman So he feels like he's sort of a betrayal of the ultimate realization of mankind. And he believes that Superman weakens us.
2: But yeah, you you brought up uh, Breaking Bad. I mean, talk about flawed characters, right? But most of those... Why do you say that?
1: Why do you say that?
2: (laughs) Why would I? Because those characters, I mean, all of them are assholes. And all of them make mistakes but that is what a good flawed character does it's he or she makes mistakes but they're understandable mistakes because the character has been properly set up and you you can understand why he would fall into that uh into that train of action right mm. like Skyler keeps fucking and trying to pry into walter's business because he can't explain to her what's going on and she's fucking paranoid about it and it makes sense for her to be this this pushy but she really shouldn't do it but she does you know that's 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 a good flawed character i mean what a white makes it's really understandable why he becomes the way he is and then jesse of course who is the character that is that starts out incredibly flawed because he's, he's just a punk with no life and trying to make an easy buck of drugs but then over time he he realizes that that shit doesn't pay out at all in the end and he just becomes incredibly uh jaded by what he has to do and he takes you know a character arc in a completely different direction where he becomes a better character all that stuff i mean it's just very well
0: developed Uh, i was i was thinking about berserk and how I feel like, you know, the obvious choice would be like Guts. Guts is a a great example of a good flawed character. Casca. But I'd say that Griffith doesn't get enough credit for being a good flawed character because he spends so much of the story, or at least in the Golden Age arc, appearing as perfect that we tend to forget that he is human and he does make mistakes and he, you know, he is flawed. Some and I think most,
1: that's some of the most striking moments in that entire arc are when those little cracks of humanity appear.
0: Right. Like exactly.
1: When, when Kaska found finds him in the uh, water, and all that stuff. Mm.
0: Yeah, because uh, he was uh, selling himself for money.
1: Here's a funny photo. I don't know if you saw it earlier.
0: Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, you know, throughout the majority of Berserk, it, it feels as if, like, Griffith is just above things. Like, he is this god, almost. And But then when he loses to Guts, uh, that is probably, like, the most human moment for his character in the entire story. Because he's confronted with his own flaws. He's confronted with his own inability to to succeed at something and it it really it, it shatters his own in inter like his his own perception of himself almost where he he's always just like if he wanted something he just got it and then like here was Guts like defying him and in that it shows how flawed he is and how flawed he his his relationship with Guts was hmm. where it was this it was I'm not going to say it was necessarily one-sided, um but there was this like imbalance in their relationship and it also kind of like speaks to like the I guess the bullshit in what he was saying before to Princess Charlotte where he said like, "Oh, the man that is to be my friend is someone that I consider my equal,
1: somebody who is able to defy me."
0: And when that happens, he doesn't know how to handle it.
1: No,
0: he's literally confronted with the situation that he spoke of. Is so ominously and so like uh, like with reverence almost. But when it actually happens, he doesn't know what to do. Man, Ber- <sighs> Berserk is so good, guys.
1: <laughs> it's pretty good. Do you, have you been watching the the new anime? Oh, with with the amazing CG, like Satoshi Kone, who? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ!
0: More like Satoshi Kone. <laughs> I I I pray that one day production IEG are the ones that are uh, in charge of Berserk because. Who are they? They did Ghost in the Shell. I haven't seen it. How can you have not seen Ghost in the Shell? Ghost in the Shell is fucking
2: trash. Don't add me. What? I really don't like it, man. I've, I've watched it like three times. I still don't like it.
0: Oh, my. Oh, my. Ugh.
1: Scarlett Johansson is pretty hot, though. I'll give you yeah. that, Daniel. But um, okay. Eh. this is my character in this episode. I'm the guy who doesn't know about anime and only watches live action adaptations.
2: What a flawed character you are.
1: <laughs> avatar you mean that movie and also no i guess there's I th- only those All two right. adaptations
0: well uh, i think like we've i mean i think we've mostly exhausted this uh talking point so you uh, guys want to come up?
2: up with like a billion more characters i think people have grown to like flawed characters more in general yeah uh, mainstream audiences understand now that characters with depth and and personality and actual flaws are way more interesting than
0: uh, than, you know, than Superman. Yeah. if we That's want to that, yeah.
1: if we want to take this conversation just a bit further uh what do you guys know about mr. a um, I don't
0: nothing. know nothing that is uh,
1: you you guys know what Watchmen is right
0: yes yes
1: Rorschach is based on mr. a uh, Mr. A. Okay. okay, Mr. A was. It was made by Steve Ditko, who created Spider Man and Doctor Strange with Stan Lee. And uh, he was sort of a response to what Steve Ditko f- saw at the time as the dumbing down of the superhero, where characters are getting stronger and stronger physically. They're able to do more amazing physical feats, but they are unable to solve their mundane everyday problems because they are becoming ethically less developed. And he he was an objectivist, Steve Ditko. He was like an Ayn Rand far right winger. And he did a video, I think it's like the only recording of his voice, where he was talking about Mr. A. And he explained that Mr. A is the sort of realization of what a true hero is. And he goes over how people (laughs) Daniel, <laughs> Daniel's dog. He goes over how people accept the flawed hero not because he is a more interesting or fleshed out character, but because it is an easier model to follow. So Mr. A is sort of a rejection of that. He's a rejection of the flawed hero. And Ditko's, Ditko gave a reasoning of this where... You don't want a flawed cop like a flawed cop corrupts the legal good and a flawed hero would corrupt the moral good and because they corrupt these sort of ideals they drag all of us down with them and he goes over also how uh, he I think he was quoting Einstein where he said that art was philosophically more important than history because history shows us how people did act but Art teaches us how we theoretically could act and that flawed characters are, they're a cop out and they're also detrimental because they lower the standard of conduct. What? I uh,
2: That's a wild I'm, thesis.
1: Yeah, I, I've watched this video. It's like a five minute video. I've watched it a few times. I'm probably butchering the meaning of it, but I'll, uh, I'll send you guys the video if you want. Because it is is—it is actually very interesting when you're watching it. In his words, not in my sort of cockneyed, half-remembered...
2: It's just, I mean, it sounds like then for you, art is nothing more than propaganda. Because you need to tell everyone how they should act. And tell everyone to, to be better.
0: Yeah, well, he look, he uh it's it's the moral equivalent of telling the world to get good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I uh I think it is interesting that he would say that because this is the guy who made Spider-Man and like this is not some rando guy who doesn't know what he's talking about. Steve Ditko is like one of the pillars of superhero fiction. And I thought it was a really interesting perspective from him. Specifically the part, I don't know, uh, the part that really spoke to me was this idea that the flawed hero is a pathetic standard and that you can do you can do interesting characters without falling back on like gray moralities but uh he believed a lot of stuff that i didn't believe so i don't know
0: how well i certainly don't believe that i don't i mean, i i i, 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 I... I appreciate the sentiment of like, hey, you don't have to do um, a morally gray character in order to have a, a well-written character. Yeah, like, true. I, that that's fine. But to say that these characters are inherently cop-outs is just, I'd say that's artistically stagnant. Well, but, he,
1: he I guess he would reason back that these characters are, I don't know if I'd say, well, maybe he didn't say cop-out, but... The sentiment that you are you're creating characters which are ethically lesser because they these characters can't solve mundane problems
2: but it's that's so not true because from a flawed character you can actually he feels relatable and then when that character becomes better because of something that can also be inspirational to a real person
1: yeah
2: and in a lot of ways, it can be more real to that person because the the starting point is closer to what reality actually is.
1: Definitely. I'm, I l I I don't agree with everything Steve Ditko said in that video, but I still think it's an interesting sentiment. And I probably I probably shouldn't try to present his views because I don't fully remember what he said. Yeah. Fair enough. I feel like I've seen that
2: sentiment more recently that char- sometimes people want just simple fun. Simple characters. Not always people being bad and backstabbing each other and everything needing twenty different storylines. Sometimes they just want a fun character on an adventure.
1: Yeah. Let's see. I'm
2: kind All right.
0: of finding this. Book. Um I think I think that's about it for that discussion. So, we're going to move on to the outro. Um, So, guys, uh, we want to ask you to leave some questions. So, if you're listening, uh, either on, like, YouTube or, you know, uh, any of the, like, audio streaming services, um, you can leave us a comment and you can ask us, you know, you can present to us – possible future essay questions if you want and we'll give it we'll say like hey this was you know by so and so and you guys can you know get a bit of interaction going that way um and yeah uh, i want to thank my my co-hosts for for coming of course uh it's always a pleasure um what are you guys working on before we head out so acer you got anything in the docket
1: uh, I've I've uploaded the interview with Chris Avalon. I haven't made it public yet. And then I'm just finishing up work on KOTOR two. Excellent.
0: Uh, Boken, what about you?
2: I just uploaded a video about Space Marine, Warhammer forty K Space Marine. I saw and, that video, it was really good. Yeah, thank you. You know I'm I'm one of the things I'm happy with that video is that I try to even when I negatively criticize something I try to give suggestions on what could have been better not just say it's shit but say how it could be better like that is in my opinion the difference between someone who can criticize and someone who can actually write and come up with ideas that would well make something would improve something I've seen that from other creators and I feel like I haven't done that before really Mm. so yeah Fair and yeah also i'm uh my my gorogoa story analysis is in the works should be done fairly soon, but I don't want to upload too soon since I just released a video but yeah cool. that, that's cool. coming and then awesome. for, for the video good. after that i'm I've started writing the script, I've finished the show rewatching it. it's just as awesome as I remember it, but I don't want to reveal what it is.
0: Well, now I want to know. Shit.
2: <laughs> it was on my topics list, but I like on our docket, but I took it off.
0: Ah, I, I forgot what, I what you wrote down, so. All right. Well, um, I uploaded a video not that long ago that was uh, <clears throat> discussing 5 centimeters per second as well as Garden of Words. Um, we, you know, a f- it was uh, between a friend of mine, and uh, we basically just discussed what we felt were the meanings behind those movies, and, you know, about half of it was for one movie, the other half was the other, and it's actually kind of an older recording, but uh, I felt that, you know, it would it was good to release it and get it out there because I'd been sitting on it for a while. Uh, I had been changing my... Approach to videos for a while, and I wasn't sure where I could fit it. But I decided, you know, it's you know, just letting it go to waste isn't going to do anyone any good. So I put it out there. Hopefully, you enjoy it. Um, I'm also working on a video. I'm actually working on several videos, but um, the one that's gonna come out as of this recording, the the next one that's gonna be released is one on the beginner's guide. Uh, the video is going to be called the beginner's guide and projection originally I had a few other titles in mind where but I realized that you know what this really nails what I feel that the intent of the video is um, I've also still working on the school days video as well as the uh, tells us a stereo video so hopefully those will be finished sometime soon but yeah the beginner's guide one is Absolutely going to be the next one. It's all the script's already done. Uh, the it's being edited right now, so it shouldn't take too much longer. But anyways, that's it. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, or- wait,
1: before we, I, I just remembered, and I feel like I should say this in fairness okay. to Steve Ditko, his his criticisms. I, I didn't say this earlier. His criticisms were specifically referring to superheroes. I don't think like he was talking about. Fiction in general. I think it was a very specific response to superhero movements at the time, but are gone. Okay, f- fair enough. <laughs> I just feel like you know, I, I I'm, no, I'm, yeah. I, I'm doing a hatchet job of t- t- giving his views, and I'm not properly giving it context. I think it's only fair no, that I, I. No,
0: yeah, I, I, I hear you. you just wanted to clarify that. that that's fine. But anyways, yeah, uh, thank you for listening uh, or watching if you're watching on YouTube. Um, Take care, everyone. Bye.